This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I know you're excited to get into today's show, but I have a very exciting announcement to share with you before moving to the show. We've just launched a complimentary and comprehensive webinar that, among other things, shows you how to legally use passive real estate investing to reduce your taxes, recession-proof your nest egg, and take the sting out of inflation. If you are curious to learn more, go to steetalker.com forward slash webinar. It is complimentary and only takes a couple of minutes of your time. Once again, that is steetalker.com forward slash webinar. I'll see you in the webinar. Enjoy today's show. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to Real Estate Investing Abundance. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. And as always, I am delighted to be back with you again today as we take a look at a very important topic, and that is how it is that we can add value to our investments as asset managers. And with us today is Brendan Chisholm, and he is a general partner on four properties totaling 287 units. His focus is on value-add multifamily properties in the southern United States. Brendan's core focus is capital raising and asset management. So Brendan, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Lomax, for having me on today. It's it's a pleasure to uh, enlighten your listeners and hopefully add some value to the group. So I, after I graduated from college in the late 2000s, all I wanted to do was climb the corporate ladder and figure out ways to do it. And then got to a point in time where I did not, I, you know, I start, I reached, picked up the, the purple Bible, the rich dad, poor dad, and one figured out a way in which I, at, at a time I could try to supplement my yearning to climb the corporate ladder. And then it got to a point where in conversations with people that were making more money than myself at the time in corporate America, I was asking them where where they were placing their money. Because I just started to going to real real estate meetups and figuring out where to go. And to supplement what I wanted to do, I was looking at turnkey single family homes in the Southeast. And so we had these conversations and they're like, oh, cool. What are you doing? You know, the, the, the conversation went, you know, oh, I'm thinking about investing in real estate. Uh, oh, I do the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at single family homes. They're like, no, we don't We don't typically do that. We invest in commercial real estate throughout, you know, throughout America. So these guys were making a lot more money at the time than myself and seemed to be enjoying themselves, you know, driving nice cars, going to country clubs, all that fun stuff. So I started to pick up and pick up books and read as many, you know, listen to as many podcasts, read as many journal and periodicals as I could. And it consumed the better part of the past seven years. So seven years later, here I am just taking in as much information and giving myself a college education in multifamily investing uh, since that time. Well, that's a good way to start. You didn't jump right into it, which I think is smart. And you continued uh, to work in corporate America at the time, at the same time you were developing your investor knowledge and uh, also started developing uh, your portfolio. Yeah, so I'll put the caveat out there, Dr. Lomax. I'm still working a W-2 job with, in corporate America. So it is supplementing currently what I'm doing. That's uh, that's a smart way to do it. And uh, just don't burn bridges because... <laughs> I, I, I'm trying not to. <laughs> Uh, because we just never know really what the future is going to be. And 
And it's always nice to have those bridges to cross back over if uh, need be. So you are focusing on asset management and capital raising. So let's take a deep dive into, first of all, the asset management side of that and give us a little background in terms of why it is that you decided that that was your strength, your skill that you wanted to really focus on in the investment uh, process. I, the way asset management allowed me as a means to be able to get into the syndications when we first did, when the general partnership group that I worked with on our first deal in February, 2021, there was five new general partners on the deal together. Um, None of us did our first, you know, we were all doing our first syndication together. Everybody thought it was just about raising, not everybody, but a good portion of them thought about it was just about raising money and finding the deal. And then having to do the the day in and day out operations, that was kind of falling by the wayside. So I stepped in to be able to add value and figure out, you know, along with everybody else, what it truly meant to be able to you know manage an an asset such as this. That was day to day communication with the property manager, making sure they were aligned with our business plan, making sure if we were staring off business plan, what we needed to do to get back onto it, tying out. You know, financials that they would send to us, verify everything on the back end, and you know, making sure we stayed up to date on where evictions and delinquencies were as well. Um, then a lot of it too was making sure we had relationships and communication with our lender partners. Uh, you know, quarterly updates, sending them the financials, making sure we can speak intelligently if we had any questions for it as well. Uh, but this was you know, making sure you know, keeping KPIs in place as well as keeping you know, with value add distressed deals, making sure we had oversight into our construction budget and making sure that you know, we were verifying all of the invoices as well as any type of scope of work that was coming our way when we were going through each of the the turns as well as you know the exterior work. It's not it's not pretty, but it's something that somebody that there's a need for it once you acquire the asset itself. And I just found a niche with it uh, and I just continued to run with it. And you know, it's it's helps augment the rest of the rest of the team and finding you know, being able to do some of the dirty work that not not necessarily everybody wants to do. The glory usually comes with finding the deal and raising the money, and it's you know it's you're in the trenches when you're doing the asset management. So for me, it was a hands on experience and being able to really accelerate how to run it, a property, how to run a syndication, how to be able to communicate to your investor network, and making sure if you know, people had any questions. I was the fr- it felt like I was one of the first people people went to because I, I was so in tune with what was going on at the property on the ground level as well as what was going on high level versus our business plan so we can communicate that back out to our investors intelligently. What was it in uh in your background and experience that actually led you to be the the one of the five people that actually ended up in the asset management aspect of that? So I graduated from college in 2008 and I went into op- operations at uh, for close to five years, five six years, right out of the bat, so managing people, uh, managing reporting. That and that was a transferable skill to my next job, which was more program management, channel management, and vendor vendor management. So a lot of what I was doing in my second career uh, in the automotive industry was making sure we had. You know, Managing our relationships with third-party companies, and you know, similar to what we're doing with on a multifamily side, you know, it's similar transferable skills where 
we come to an agree upon budget and we talk through the budget and we understand you know what what variances we have for why our actuals are this way and why are why we're how are we performing against our budget so it was a lot of what i've learned in the past 15 years in corporate america and just transforming those over to today so it's feel it's not a job everybody can do but there's a lot of similarities between what you do in a corporate world and what you can do in the private equity space well, just so we can understand this a little bit better, there were the the five of you who went into this first acquisition. Uh, so, just tell us what the acquisition was, and and where and where was this acquisition? Sure, this was a fifty three unit apartment complex in Noonan, Georgia. Noonan, Georgia, is approximately 30, 35 miles southwest of Atlanta in Coweta County. The property was high 70% occupied with nine down units and 14 more units that needed to be renovated. Bought the property, got it under contract in late October or October, right around Halloween 2020 and closed on that in February of 2021. So got we you know, sourced the deal and acquired the deal at an opportune time before rent growth was you know double digits everywhere you looked and bought it at a very good basis. Over that time, you know, we had a very good business plan that was executable. And we also caught the tailwinds of that rent growth that I, I mentioned of. You know, we were underwriting to a 15% IRR when we're trying to bring our renovated units up to $1,000. Currently, right now, they are renting at you know, $1,375. So we put bridge debt on that deal, stabilized it within the first 12 months, and then refied after 18 months. So since that point, we've thrown on Fannie Mae uh, long-term debt, small a small business loan, and have you know a f- just above a five percent interest rate on a ten year ten year loan with five years of IO on that high level. You know, for our investors themselves in lump sum, we were able to return all of our investor capital back to our investors at the time of the refinance. So at this point in time, they have no capital at risk, and it's just collecting you know, the monthly cash flow from from there onwards. Sounds like an an excellent deal there. What all did you have to go through as the team of five individuals to actually locate the property, get it under contract, and then you can work us into the the capital raise in terms of sure. that as well. I, I'll I'll touch very briefly on the acquisition itself, as you know, one of the other partners was able to source it, but it was an off market transaction. The the way in which we sourced it, we called one of the limited partners who had a, a, an asset in another location. He didn't want to sell that one, but he was a limited partner on this deal in Noonan. And he informed us that the general partner got up and left and left the country. So the rest of the team was trying to you know, figure out a way in which they could go you know, either force a sale, which they were able to do. And that limited partner allowed us to go you know, put in contact with the other people who were the leads for the rest of the property. So you know, to, w- went through the entire negotiation there there afterwards, and you know, locked that up in February twenty third, twenty twenty one. So you know, twenty five months later, here we are. So the capital raise. Everybody thought they could bring a million dollars to the deal. I I thought I could do the same thing. And uh, capital raising on your first deal is very humbling. You gotta go. <laughs> It, it, without it, without much of a track record in the multifamily space, or you know, for us, it, it was more of the residential side. So it was calling every single person from your, you know, going scrolling through your Apple 
phone, your, your contact list and your iPhone and figuring out who wanted to invest in a deal with you, uh, who wanted to take that risk of being able to jump in for your first deal. So uh, you know, we were collectively able to finish the raise. It just took us till the last day and to be able to do so. But uh, yeah, it was conversations that I haven't had with people for quite a while that you know, circumstances allowed them to be able to invest in our deals. And you know they, they have still invested in every single deal there afterwards. Um, so it's just being, it's working that pitch and figuring out, you know, how to win fast or you know, how to cultivate that, that relationship with your, with your new investors. And then how, you know, there a couple of years later, how to continue to cultivate it and making sure that, that you are a true fiduciary for their money. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Well, do you have any suggestions for how to develop those uh, capital raising skills and how to talk to individuals who you are looking at as potential investors? Sure. Try and become a thought leader as quickly as possible. During like right when COVID happened, I had a, a extra time on my hand. I was reading everything, every single thing that was coming my way when it came to commercial real estate, specifically multifamily. So I was. I just created a newsletter and just blasted that out to my my network. I found every single email that was on there, threw it into MailChimp, and then just started writing on a monthly basis. So that that was the first way to start the conversations because you don't always tell people what you're doing. You know, you, you lose touch with them, and then they see that you're you're back into real estate. To expedite it, join a you know, join podcast. Um, become as i mentioned become the thought leader you know i've evolved over the the two years and since i've done this you know i i host a podcast i now host a meetup in my my local county but i didn't prior to that it was just you know cultivating those relationships and informing people that there are ways in which you can invest in multifamily such as this through syndications and if you don't have available cash be able to intelligently speak to them as to how they can move their cash from a you know a rollover ira into a self-directed ira and you know being able to connect people with that being able to connect them from moving their rollover into a self-directed IRA, it at least informs them that they can invest in it if they don't have any available you know, look, you know, capital or liquidity that's in their checking account or savings account that they want to make active. You, you, I try to explain the tax benefits to a lot of my friends. Uh, however, right now, most of them aren't able to capitalize on the tax efficiencies that you're able to get. Yes, you can defer them for later years with cost seg, but it's, you know, once, once the assets stabilize, it throws off cash flow that you'd be able to get similar to a bond or, you know, a blue chip dividend stock for them. So it's just being able to say, you know, we, we've had a great bull run in the stock market ever since we graduated from college in the late 2000s. And now this is a way in which you can intelligently diversify your portfolio. There's been a lot of, uh, of dramatic changes in the world of finances over the last, last year. Interest rates uh, escalated uh, substantially. And then within the last few months, banks have begun to fail. The second uh, largest failure in the U.S. history uh, just happened, what was it, last week, week before with Republic Bank. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what what does all of this mean for commercial real estate investing? I'm still asking myself that, Dr. Lomax. Um, <laughs> It, it, everything seems all well and dandy you know, on the surface mm -hmm. through your, your national media. However, it's it's right now reassuring people that you know you're buying your your money is collateralized 
against an you know a, a cash flowing producing asset. Mm-hmm. Um, people still you know with with everything that's going on, there's still a shortage of housing, and people people need to have a roof over their heads. And what we're providing to our we're housing providers at the end of the day. We 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 purchase assets, you know, multifamily commercial real estate assets, and we bring them up to market and making sure you know our renovations that we do are bringing you know a 1960s or a 1970s interior build into a 2023, 2022 place to live. So high-end interior renovations with appliances, you know, brand new stainless steel appliances, new upgrades, new countertops, everything that somebody is looking for in today's market. If you look, if you look at where I live, um, supply. Although I don't invest where I live, the supply is down seventy five percent over the past you know, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's is a major housing shortage, and being able to bring properties that have been distressed or down and bringing them back to market creates opportunities for people to move in there. Let's listen. I, you know, I try to tell my investors that you know, have these concerns about that that you know, let everything on the macro what's going on outside of it you don't need to worry about that because what we're doing is you know we're investing into a as i mentioned a cash a eventual cash flowing asset and you know, providing high quality housing to high quality tenants and at you know at the end of the day it's it, it's something that we still feel confident in being able to deliver to our investors regardless of what what's going on in the macro economy well brendan tell our audience uh, what you have to offer and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Best way to get in touch with me is give me a call. Uh, my phone number is 978-835-9376. That's 978-835-9376. There's also an opportunity to shoot me an email at brendan at bkcholding.com. I also host my own podcast, The Value Add Real Estate Show with Brendan Chisholm. Now you can find that on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Also, although I don't have any deals under my, that I can speak of right now, you know, we're always actively looking for value add distress opportunities in the Southeast. Uh, so happy to have a conversation with anybody who's looking to invest there. Yeah, that, that's that's all today. And all of that information, of course, will be in our show notes. Brendan, it seems like a very strange environment because like you said, everything on the surface seems to be going just fine and hunky-dory, which really was pretty much the same in 2007 when banks were starting to fail. And it really wasn't in 2008 that uh, everything kind of hit the fan. So it's hard to say what is going to happen. Uh, I hear a lot of people say, well, the... In 2008, everyone was over leveraged and it was the overabundance of debt that caused the problem. And we don't have that same issue now that so many people are have cash and they're paying cash. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, that's well and fine and good, but there's a whole lot of other things in the air today that we didn't have in 2008. And really my biggest concern is that in 2008, the dollar was pretty well stabilized on the international market. And uh, today we're facing unprecedented things uh, geopolitically, the de-dollarization of the dollar, which has it, which is exactly what has made the United States the wealthiest country in the world. And that is coming to an end and much, much more rapidly than anyone has uh, expected that mm-hmm. to come to an end. You want to talk about that? Do <laughs> you have any ideas what? I mean, we know the de-dollaration is happening. We haven't seen any impact on that in the USA, but it's going to have a major impact. 
how long it's going to take, I don't know. And what it's going to, to turn out to be, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? I don't have much of it, <laughs> Dr. Lomax. Uh, I know neither. I'm just kind of waiting to see what's... Yeah, what's it's it's one of those out. things. It's I, I, I can't... I, if I had a crystal ball, I know I would have got into multifamily real estate a lot earlier than I did. And it's similar to this. If I had a crystal ball, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, there's a lot of things going on in our macro level right now, geopolitically, that is very concerning. You know, we're, you know, today's May 11th, and we have another three weeks until there's a decision as to whether or not we will hit our debt ceiling or will default or, you know, at least raise it. And nobody's really talking about this. It's, it's mm-hmm. stuff that is being brushed aside. And it's, very concerning that a lot of the stuff that is happening internationally as well as within the United States, it seems to be just not brought to <laughs> not brought to the mainstream media's attention. There are independent journalists that are you know talking about this and as we should be talking about it. However, you know, I am of the belief that I'm I can only do so much to control you know, what is in front of me. And I'm gonna make sure that what I can control, I will control and deliver results as to the best of my ability. Uh, I'm going to continue to put my head down. I'm always of the belief that capitalism is one of the greatest is one of the greatest political systems of all time. Not what we're getting today. I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the capitalism that was prior, but it's it, America was built on the, the backs of hardworking Americans and being able to Put in a good day's work and making sure you're doing, you're making the world a better place each and every day is what, you know, what I strive to do. You know, do well by do, do, do good by doing well. And uh, I think that's a motto that I, I you know, some of the, the values that I have that I try to instill in my, my three-year-old and one-year-old and making sure it's, it's just part of it. You know, I, I'll, I'll control what I can, but I, I don't want to get involved too high. I'll have a, I don't have much of an informed opinion. You should, there's much, there's people much smarter than me that should have that, but I know what I'm going to do and, you know, make sure to put the, my best foot forward. So I, I know that's a long way to talk about saying I'm not too certain of what's going to happen. I'm just going to do what I know is best and make sure to continue moving forward. Well, I think that's all that, uh, that any of us uh, can do. And I am just personally just just moving into lowering the risk on whatever investments I'm moving into. Yeah, um, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. We're, you, although I have two of my deals have bridge debt on them. It, when we, de- we de-risk our deals by putting in more money for the deals themselves. So we're, we're properly levered on each of our deals to make sure that if there is a correction in, in the marketplace, that we can withstand it when we're not upside down. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to do that. The other than just, you know, bringing more capital to the deals mm-hmm. is the best way to, to lower the risk. And that's what I look to do. And also, I mean, I just don't go into things that don't have cash flow. I, mm-hmm. I just am not going to count on the fact that there's going to be uh, the same kind of appreciation that we have seen for the last uh, five years. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, uh, I, I, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we didn't expect our rents to be 40% higher than than what we did, but we bought the deal because the numbers worked at, you know, at the $1,000. And, you know, they worked much better at $1,400, but the numbers worked for us at $1,400. So buy, buy on good basis, get good debt, 
you don't necessarily, if you're buying variable rate debt, make sure you have a rate cap and making sure you're de-risking as much as possible. You know, you're looking at people that are actually transacting in today's markets. You know, the institutional people, they're putting you know, 50, 60% down to make sure the numbers work, but they're doing it for a reason because it's a stable, you know, multifamily is a stable asset that people can get into. And mm-hmm. in an inflationary environment, you can reset your leases every single year. Or you should be able to at least figure out a way to do it based off of what the market gives you. Yeah. Interesting times. And of course, interesting times bring crises, but they also bring opportunities. So yes, yes, sir. We will uh, get through this one way or the other. Yes. Uh, So Brendan, it's been a delight having you today. Thank you for being on our show and uh, sharing your experiences. We appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. I hope it added value to your listeners. Enlightened investors, wait, wait, don't go just yet. I just want to remind you about our recently launched webinar that you will not want to miss. If you're at all curious and would like to learn more about how real estate investing can diversify your investment portfolio, alleviate the anxiety associated with Wall Street swings, leverage your 401ks and IRAs to substantially increase the return on your investment, and do all of this with turnkey, hands-off, passive real estate investments, then you'll want to immediately go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. In the webinar, we'll also address the common dubious investment schemes that you want to avoid. To access the webinar, go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. I look forward to seeing you in the webinar. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.